Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, we have a really interesting story tonight. And it's been going on for probably, well, it happened last May 11th, 2022. But the twists and turns in this case and what we've called as a a love triangle of of Caitlin Armstrong and the the players involved here are Colin Strickland, a professional gravel bicyclist, and Anna Marie Wilson, known as Mo Wilson. And of course, this love triangle ended rather tragically in the, in the murder of Mo Wilson, who may or may not have been the romantic interest of Colin Strickland, who was also involved with Caitlin Armstrong. And therein lies the conflict we have here. Uh, you can see all three of them up on the screen right now. Mo Wilson to the left, Colin Strickland in the middle, and of course, Caitlin Armstrong to the right. What would cause someone that level of angst and anger to take someone's life over, well, we don't even know if there was in fact an affair. And someone shoots and kills a 25-year-old woman, 26-year-old woman. And for that, a 36-year-old woman basically threw her life away. And right now she will be standing trial for the murder of Mo Wilson, turning not just her own life upside down, but the family of Mo Wilson and, of course, Colin Strickland. And we're going to examine this case as to the whys and the hows and the evidence that's available in this case, because it seems at this point there is a great deal of evidence in this case, tremendous amount of evidence pointing to Caitlin Armstrong. Now, we never know, and we say it all the time in these true crime episodes, you never know what a jury is going to do. And a jury, after hearing all this evidence, they have to vote guilty or innocent. And with all of this evidence, will the defense be able to create enough doubt whereby Caitlin Armstrong is found not guilty. Well, that's what we're going to examine this evening. So, folks, hang on to your hat. Strap yourself into your seat. You're entering the world of Police Off the Cuff, a no-nonsense true crime episode. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Folks, joining me tonight is retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. Welcome to the show tonight, Phil. Thank you, Billy. Thank you for having me. You know, Phil, we covered this case when it happened last mm-hmm. year. And there was quite a few uh, questions we had here. One of them was a day after the murder, which was on May 11th, 2022. And we'll just put it out there right straight ahead. Uh, Mo Wilson was shot three times, twice in the head, and an actual coup de grace shot to her chest. So that the person that did this shooting obviously wanted her dead. This was no accidental shooting, and it was inside the home of her friend with whom she be, had been staying with in order to enter this bicycle race in Austin, Texas. 
So this was no accident. So when we talk about homicide, you don't necessarily need motive, but when you have motive, it's so much stronger. Phil? Absolutely, Billy. And uh, we're not certain that uh, there was actual love trial going on at the time of the murder. However, um, we do believe that uh, Mariah Wilson, that uh, the boyfriend, Colin Strickland, was dating Mariah Wilson in the past. However, uh, he was currently at the time of the murder. He was living with Caitlin Armstrong. So I think she uh, suspected that there perhaps uh, had uh, restarted their uh, their relationship behind her back. Uh, that's where you come up with the motive. Uh, there's just a ton of things that happened uh, the night of the murder and the days uh, following the murder that really, really uh, made the police uh, zero in and focus on uh, uh, Caitlin as the uh, as the murderer. And uh, I think when we go through the case tonight, you're going to see a ton of evidence that will implicate her in the homicide of, uh, of uh, Mariah Wilson. I want to play this from Fox News. It'll give our audience a, a good view of what actually transpired. Witnesses were called to the stand, so we got to hear from some of the last people to see Mariah Wilson alive. Did Caitlin Armstrong shoot and kill Mariah Wilson inside an East Austin home on May 11th, 2022? That is a question that a jury will answer. How do you plead? There are three key players in this case, according to the state, in opening statements on Wednesday. Mariah Wilson, Colin Strickland, and Caitlin Armstrong. Assistant DA Ricky Jones opened with a focus on the victim, an up-and-coming professional cyclist just shy of 26. The last thing Mo did on this earth was scream in terror. Then walking through the timeline of events leading up to and after Wilson's death. May 13th, some important things happened. You'll see Caitlin Armstrong on a video camera at CarMax in South Austin near their home. Letting the jury know the kind of evidence they would be seeing during the trial, including cell phone and GPS data. You know, Phil, what, what the reference that he's saying that you're going to see on videotape at CarMax, and the reason he brings that up is because this vehicle here, this black Jeep uh, you see on your screen right there, was caught in front of the house where the murder occurred. And she hastily sold her car a day or two later to CarMax for cash. So I know when Mike Geary's on the show, we always use that term consciousness of guilt. There it is. And I think it's a very, very it's strong. Appropriate at this point. Yeah, absolutely. very appropriate. It's very appropriate. Look, uh, lo and behold, at the time, or uh, he did that video, it's just a little before, a little bit after when they think that the actual homicide took place. Uh, the shots are picked up, and you're going to see that further on when you play the rest of that uh, that tape. The, the shots are picked up by uh, another surveillance camera, so they know precisely around the time that the shots were fired that they believe the murder took place. Shortly afterwards, the police are called and respond. So again, her car just happens to be at the location just about the precise time that the uh, murder takes place, and then, like you said, within uh, a short period of time afterwards. She sells her car for cash. Consciousness of guilt. I don't think you could have a better uh, textbook explanation of it than right there. From Mo Wilson's bike, which they found in some weeds, maybe 10 yards from the bottom of those stairs. But she'll testify that the DNA on the handlebars was a very strong likelihood that the DNA on the handlebars included DNA from Taylor Armstrong. Now, the state just discussed with you what you will see, what you will hear about. This is now the defense. What you will hear throughout the course of this trial. And I want to talk to you about what you didn't hear about. What you didn't hear about. You didn't hear that not one witness saw 
Caitlin Armstrong allegedly commit this murder? Not one, because there isn't one. The defense in opening statements reminding the jury that the state has the burden of proof. And you didn't hear about any camera footage showing Caitlin Armstrong at the scene of this shooting, despite there being tons of cameras in the air. Following opening statements, witnesses took the stand, including Mariah Wilson's brother, Matt Wilson, and Caitlin Cash, seen here in this video outside of the courtroom. Wilson was staying with Cash ahead of an upcoming race. Cash found Wilson covered in blood when she came home after dinner the night of May 11th. She says the last text she received from Wilson was around 5 p.m. I think I'm going to go swimming with Colin, FYI. Much of the focus during questioning from both sides. So Colin Strickland is the male paramour. I guess we could uh, say he is the, uh, the love interest. Of, well, he lives with Caitlin Armstrong. Right. And... He's also a professional bicyclist, and Mo Wilson knew him from the circuit. And whether they were romantically involved, they had gone out on several dates. Uh, whether they had, in fact, had an affair, we can't verify that. But this drove um, Caitlin Armstrong to a rather uh, severe craziness over what was occurring. The witness perception of Strickland and Wilson's relationship, both prior and at the time of the murder. Her friends and family say she and Strickland had some kind of romantic involvement in October 2021, while Armstrong and Strickland were on a break, but were just friends in May of 2022 when they hung out the night of her murder. And before court wrapped up from the for the day, excuse me, we did also hear from members of APD and Austin Travis County EMS, some of the first who were there on the scene to try and save Wilson's life. Lexi, Phil, you know uh, I, that's of course the defense has to come up with some kind of defense, but the fact that she that she wasn't caught on camera in some way going inside that home, and of course, of course, no one was an eyeball witness to her shooting uh, Mo Wilson because it happened inside the bathroom of the home there. Um, but there's other evidence that is extremely, extremely damaging to Caitlin Armstrong. And I think what one of the things that the uh, prosecutor, Ricky Jones, mentions is GPS. GPS on your phone, which in this instance could potentially put her right inside the house based on the fact that, you know, it could also have hit a Wi-Fi. It, you know, all of those things we, we speak about in so many other cases, right? The ballistics, the ballistics, the gun has been tested already. The gun has been recovered. And the gun, all they will say about the gun is it's very similar. It bears a great res uh Resemblance. Great likelihood that it was fired from uh, that was fired from the same gun the same that gun. Colin Strickland bought Caitlin Armstrong about a month before this, or maybe even sooner than a month before this murder. I mean, to me, that's the only thing that didn't make a, a great deal of sense that he buys his girlfriend a, a gun and and this kind of uh, triangle was going on, and that that is a little bit disturbing to me. You know, Billy, we're talking about some of the evidence. Now, uh, when you talk about the uh, the cell phone evidence, I believe what I read was when I did a little bit of research, uh, Colin Strickland was uh, taken out of the equation as a possible su suspect based on, uh, you know, the evidence of his cell phone, where his cell phone was. And I believe there was some video evidence that put him away from the location at the time of the murder. So pretty uh, time in the murder. So pretty early on, he was eliminated as a suspect. Now we're talking about there was uh, some type of an app. I believe it was one of those watches that you wear or some type of an app that uh, Caitlin was monitoring Mariah Wilson's location. So again, uh, she has uh, a lot of jealousy. Apparently she thinks that during a breakup, in the past, a year before that, uh, her boyfriend, Colin and Mariah, uh, had gone out on some dates. So she's got that jealousy in her. They do share, uh, a great love of 
racing bikes, bikes, and uh, they they train together. So again, uh, she could really get carried away with the jealousy. Uh, they're together, you know, maybe training or uh, something to do with uh, the passion that they have for bike racing. And uh, it drove her to become, unfortunately, a homicidal maniac. Yeah, I mean, you know, Phil, the other thing is, oh, and the language that they used, uh, the ballistics is extremely, extremely damaging that they, they recovered, well, the three spent shells. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing called IBIS, where Integrated Ballistics Identification System, uh, where they can identify the shell casings as having come from a very specific firearm. and. They did that, and the language that they used indicated that the gun, they they didn't want to say it was a match, but it's very, very similar to the gun. Uh, I'll, I'll read it, as a matter of fact. On May 17, 2022, the six-hour P365 9mm, which is the gun that Colin Strickland bought for um, Caitlin Armstrong, uh, it was recovered from Strickland's residence and it was test fired using laboratory ammunition. The fired test cartridge shell case from the Sig Sauer was entered into the National Integrated Ballistics Information Network, NIBIN. The fired test cartridge case was compared microscopically to the shell cases located next to the body. A NIBIN investigative lead was developed through the correlation review of ballistic evidence. The potential that the same firearm was involved is significant. That that's the language they're using. Basically, it's the it's the ballistic matches. And if you I, want to sum up what you just said in like a couple of words, it's the same. It, the bullets were fired from the same gun, basically. Right. So when when we also look at we look at the timeline, uh, and this is uh, May eleventh, of course, is is. Uh, the police found an unconscious woman known to be Anna Mariah Wilson at a home off Maple Avenue. She died from gunshot wounds related injuries and initial investigation begins. The gunshot wounds were two to the head and one to the, one to the chest. And at, you know, at a very close range, I don't know. They didn't indicate whether there was stippling or gunshot residue on the body, but you know, it was, it was very close on May 12th the police questioned Caitlin Armstrong about a previous outstanding misdemeanor warrant and subsequently she's released. Deputy U.S. Marshal Brendan Phyllis says APD was not able to get probable cause until May 17th. So, Phil, we went over this uh, over a year ago that we were dismayed that they let her leave. Absolutely. And, Bill, if you remember correctly, uh, when they questioned her on the 12th of May, which was the day after the homicide, they they actually uh, confronted her with the fact that the vehicle was her vehicle. The black Jeep was picked up on surveillance video right outside the location. And when they asked her that question, she had no response. Like, what was your car doing there? How do you explain that your car was there? She didn't have a response. And that's when she asked to leave. So I think that was when she felt the walls closing in subsequent to that within a couple of days, she wound up selling the car for cash, as you previously stated. So, uh, Again, they, they might have had a mistake in the name on the warrant, I think it was, or the date of birth. Something wasn't correct 100%. That's why they were, uh, weren't were uh, likely to hold her at that point on that warrant because they didn't feel it was strong enough. And again, they didn't feel that the probable cause was strong enough and the arrest warrant wasn't issued until I believe it was three days later on the 17th. And on May 14th, um APD confirms victim found in East Austin home on May 11th as Anna Mariah Wilson. Armstrong boards a flight from Austin to Hobby Houston to New, to New York LaGuardia. Right. She was using her sister's used, passport, by the way. Right. She used her sister's passport, right? Yeah. Consciousness of guilt. There it is. Right. There it is. And May it doesn't end there, as I'm sure you're going to explain to the audience. May 17th, affidavit of warrant of arrest is filed. APD issued a search warrant. This is where the public reads information about communication and possible relationship between Moe Colin Strickland and Caitlin Armstrong. On May 18th, 
Armstrong boarded a flight from Newark International Airport to San Jose, Costa Rica. Do you think she's fleeing something, Phil? Uh, it. Listen, we, we said consciousness of guilt. You don't need a roadmap to figure out. She hopped on a plane. She goes to Houston. From Houston, she goes to LaGuardia. She spends a couple of days uh, in the New York area. Perhaps that's when she picked up the passport. And on the 18th, she flies to Costa Rica, which, by the way, she later on is found 43 days later, I believe it is. And she had on, undergone uh, plastic surgery, which I'm sure you're going to get into. And if you look two photos back that you pulled up, Bill, you'll see a great difference between uh, the Caitlin Armstrong uh, before the homicide and the Caitlin Armstrong when she was arrested. Yeah, that's the, that's the after photo, I would say. And the before photo is when she has the red hair. There you go. I, I think uh, you had another photo, Bill, that if you could pull that up where they were side by side and you saw the extreme difference. There you go. Now, the one on the left, obviously, is her before the homicide. And the one on the right is after she's arrested. And apparently she had gone through some uh, plastic surgery, I believe, a nose job or something of that nature. And obviously she died and cut her hair. So again, consciousness of guilt. She's trying to change her appearance. She cuts her hair, she colors her hair, and she takes off to Costa Rica. Absolutely. On May 23rd, a memorial ride is held for Mo Wilson. Wilson's family gave a statement to CNN stating Mo and Strickland were not in a relationship. May 25th, APD holds press conference on the death of Anna Mariah Wilson. At this time, they say that Armstrong was, was mistakenly released from custody on the previous misdemeanor warrants because her date of birth in their system did not match the date of birth on the warrant. U.S. Marshals leading a fugitive investigation. June 6th, U.S. Marshals Service announces case is being upgraded in status. While a technicality, it allows for additional funding, manpower, and specialized skills. June 29th. 43-day manhunt comes to an end. Armstrong is apprehended by authorities in Costa Rica. So uh, she was on the lam for a bit, but uh, yeah. they were able to capture her. And when, um, when she was arrested, Billy, she had what appeared to be like black and blues under her eyes and a bandage on her nose. Obviously, uh, like I had stated before, she had gone through the uh, plastic surgery to try and change her appearance. And on June 30th, bond was set at $3.5 million. So I think that they, that's sort of an acknowledgement that the case is extremely strong. July 2nd, Armstrong is extradited to U.S. and booked into Harris County Jail in Houston. The same day, we see documentation that Armstrong is being represented by the Texas law firm Kofer and Connolly. Uh, July 5th, Armstrong booked into Travis County Jail. July 7th, Armstrong charged with misuse of passport to board Newark flight. Records show Armstrong was apprehended in Costa Rica with the false passport, the passport, I believe, belonging to her sister. Uh, July 8th, a motion's filed to assert her right to a speedy trial. July 20th, Armstrong's first court appearance pleads not guilty and requests a speedy trial. August 17th, Armstrong's attorneys file a motion to suppress evidence claiming that Armstrong was illegally interrogated on May 12th by APD, saying they failed to read her Miranda rights and failed to end the interview after invoking her right to an attorney. October 24th, pretrial hearings begin. Attorney filed a motion to get initial interview with Austin police thrown out. November 9th, pretrial hearing interview. APD interview of Armstrong ruled admissible. Any errors in the police affidavit were not enough to invalidate the arrest warrant. Trial date set for June. May 4th, Armstrong trial postponed. Uh, October 11th, here's a big Here we go. Here we go. Armstrong allegedly attempted to escape from medical facility. She's facing a new charge for this. On October 30th, the judge ruled it could be used in the state's case. October 30th, 12-person jury selected for trial. It consists of eight women, six men, and two alternates. November 1st, opening statements were set to begin. So they're expeditiously getting this case going. And as I said, we haven't even gone over 
even a modicum of the evidence. There is a tremendous amount of evidence in this case, Phil. Absolutely, Billy. And, uh, you know, what the defense is going to do, and I think uh, the defense attorney showed his cards a little bit by he's going to attack the credibility of the physical evidence. He's going to attack the the way that the evidence was handled, the way the evidence was collected, the chain of evidence. He's not going to be able to say, you know, the the probability is going to be so high when they uh, have the DNA expert testify about uh, the DNA that was found on the handlebars of the bike. It's going to be at such a high probability. That's why he said it's likely her. So when the DNA expert ex- explains, you know, it's one in a billion people that it's her. Uh, the only other way that you could really uh, knock the crowd- credibility of the evidence is to go by how it was collected, uh, how it was handled, or was the chain of evidence broken? Could it have been planted? Things of that nature. And I think that's what the de- defense attorney will probably do. Um, you know, when they tried to attack uh, whether or not she was read her rights when she was interviewed, you know, when you have someone doing an interview, not an interrogation, an interview, and there is a difference, you don't have to read a person their rights when you're conducting an interview. I'm going to ask you about this situation. Did you know this person, blah, blah, blah. Once the person starts to incriminate themselves, then you have to now make them a suspect. And now uh, it becomes an interrogation and you have to read them their rights. So again, you know, um, Phil, I always understood that to mean that once the threshold of probable cause had been obtained, that's when you had to read Miranda. If someone starts talking stuff until you have that threshold of probable cause, then they're not a suspect. Once they cross that, then you say, okay, would you just stop? Right. I have to read you your rights right now. And, uh, and that's when the Miranda warnings would be subject at that point. And so you can understand, you can just have a conversation with someone and they're not at that point, even though in the detective's mind, they probably, she probably was suspect numero uno the minute she walked in there. However, at this point, he doesn't have probable cause. Right, exactly. And again, even though in the detective's mind, uh, they probably did 100% uh, think that she could be a suspect. But when they're having a casual conversation, you don't have to read a person their rights. Now, once you start to draw down on something, and like you said, a probable cause could be coming into play, or they make an incriminating, a self-incriminating statement, then, of course, uh, you need to read uh, the person their Miranda warnings. But the judge ruled on this. The judge was satisfied that uh, nothing was amiss when it comes to the questioning and the Miranda warnings. And I believe that when they drew down on her, and I said that because we had reported this earlier, when they asked her, how do you explain this videotape of your car at the location? She had no answer at all. She refused to answer. And that's when she asked to leave and they let her leave. Well, you know, another interesting thing about that is not just that they have video of her car at the scene, but a day later, she sells her car for cash. Right. That is, you know, bring Mike Geary in again, consciousness of guilt. She's selling a huge piece of evidence uh, to try to sort of whisk it away. And the fact that she needed cash because her her idea was to flee the jurisdiction to another right. country. I want to play. I, Go ahead, I believe they said that she, she spent, uh, I think it was $6,800, $6,800, uh, for plastic surgery, might have been sixty-two. I forget the exact number, but she spent over six thousand dollars on plastic surgery in Costa Rica. Again, she fled. Now she wants to change her appearance. All elements of consciousness of guilt. One hundred percent. I want to play this from the Court TV network. Professional cyclist Mariah Wilson in 2022. Investigators believe the two were romantic rivals because Wilson had dated Armstrong's former boyfriend. Court TV legal correspondent Kelly Craft has a look at the case against Armstrong. These cyclists are competing in a 150-mile race called Gravel Locos. The reason Anna Mariah Wilson was in Austin, May 11, 2022. After just two seasons, she rose to the top of both mountain and gravel racing in the nation. She had kind of just started 
being at the top level and at 25 years old, for sure, her career was just getting started. A promising future cut short when Mo, as her friends called her, was murdered. The motive? Mo was caught in the middle of a love triangle, according to investigators. At the center of it all, pro cyclist Colin Strickland. Strickland had dated Wilson, who was in an on-again, off-again relationship with fellow cyclist Caitlin Armstrong. According to the arrest affidavit, Armstrong was so angry over their relationship that she wanted Wilson dead. In a statement to an Austin American Statesman reporter, Strickland said he only dated Wilson a week or so before he and Caitlin reconciled their relationship. However, he continued to see Mo at cycling events. On the day of the murder, Strickland confirmed he and Wilson were together, swimming at a local pool and grabbing a bite to eat. Then, moments after dropping Wilson off at her friend's home, she was killed. Police say Armstrong's 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee was captured on surveillance video near the murder scene. Police questioned Armstrong, but didn't have enough to make an arrest. The very next day, Armstrong sold her Jeep for cash and with the money flew from Austin to Houston to New York, where she was spotted on surveillance video wearing a mask, jean jacket, and carrying a yoga mat. We're searching to find out. You know, wearing a mask, jean jacket, and- I wanna, I played that back. Let me play it a little bit. Flew from Austin to Houston to New York, where she was spotted on surveillance video wearing a mask. She's already, you know, thinking of covering her face, uh, flying with false identification. Again, I wish Mike Geary was here again. This consciousness of guilt stuff is out of control. And when this stuff is shown to a jury, it's not nothing, Phil. It means something. These are, these are all elements of uh, circumstantial evidence, if you want to call it, some of it physical. But when you put enough of it together, is the jury going to be able to come to a conclusion that beyond a reasonable doubt she's guilty of the murder? I think with the evidence we've seen so far, and that's only a small portion of it, I think they're going to be able to do that, Bill. And if you look at that picture right there, she seems to have the mask up so high, she really is trying to uh, conceal her identity. You know, a mask... Uh, when we were wearing them, we're only over the nose and mouth area. That looks like it's almost up to her eyelids. You know, it uh, seems very high. Again, like you said, uh, wearing a mask to perhaps, uh, you know, conceal her identification. There's cameras everywhere you go when you set foot into an airport. So, and, and obviously she was captured on video in this airport. She was also captured on video in Newark when she fled to Costa Rica. So, uh, again, uh, a lot of, uh, a mountain of evidence against this, uh, of circumstantial this evidence. And you're so right. Circumstantial evidence for what inferences are drawn. And a lot of circumstantial evidence is very, very powerful. Absolutely. Ask jean jacket and carrying a yoga mat. We're searching to find out where did she go when she landed in New York from that point is, is the unknown right now. For 43 days, Armstrong was considered a fugitive. Her father telling Court TV he believes that she's innocent. We would like to be left to be able to focus on Caitlin's safety and proving her innocence. U.S. Marshals would eventually locate Armstrong staying at a hostel in Costa Rica with her sister's passport, looking very different. Armstrong was extradited back to Texas, and she pleaded not guilty to charges of first-degree murder. On October 11th, just weeks before her scheduled trial date, Armstrong tried to escape. Court documents show she may have been preparing to flee for months by exercising vigorously. She complained about an injury which led to a doctor's appointment outside of the jail. Armstrong had secured a medical request, allowing her to go without leg restraints. Then, while being escorted from a doctor's appointment, Armstrong broke free. Officers had to chase her for about a mile before she was recaptured. She faces an additional felony charge of escape causing bodily injury. All right, let's bring you so, Phil, uh, again, uh, amazing. Uh, you know, what I can't help but think, and I think many people, our viewers would think this, what made someone kill somebody over and it wasn't even like a confirmed affair he had perhaps gone out 
on a date with her, and but they were fellow bicyclists, and apparently when they had broken up for a while, that, that may have been the point where maybe he had a romantic relationship uh, with Mo Wilson. But to kill someone, that, that I mean, I think you got to be missing a few, uh, a few brain cells to do that. Yes, obviously uh, that was to the extreme. Uh, perhaps she did some uh, surveillance on her own and she saw that they had left the pool and they had gone to get something to eat. She took it as you know, a romantic uh, date. And uh, she just, you know, she flew off the handle. She went into the psychotic rage. She uh, procured the firearm, went to the location, and she fired uh, the three shots into uh, into the victim. And, you know, uh, again, we find it hard to, to fathom this. You know, you catch someone cheating, all right, you could become, uh, uh, you know, aggressive and you become uh, agitated. You, you know, you get into an argument. But to go into a violent, violent homicidal rage, I mean, that's really to the extreme. And we see that in this case. You know, Phil, I also, um, I'm a little baffled by his uh, lack of involvement. Uh, there is no, There was no insinuating, there was no allegations at any point in this case that he was anything but an innocent person that he had nothing to do with this whatsoever. And except to me, the stupid thing he did was buy a, his girlfriend, Caitlin, a firearm. He didn't know that she was half a nut that he bought her a firearm. Yeah. Yeah. That does uh, strike me as a little odd too, Billy. Uh, you know, if you're going, going to, uh, you know, procure a firearm for somebody for purposes of safety, was there a previous incident where they felt threatened? Uh, you know, did she uh, maybe talk about that or, you know, hound him for it? Those are questions that I would love to be able to ask uh, Colin Strickland. But, uh, you know, it, initially we kind of felt that, Perhaps he could have been involved in it as well, or he knew more than he was saying. But according to what I read uh, on the research that I did, uh, he was uh, eliminated as a suspect early on because of the location where he was at during the time of the murder, as I, I previously stated. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Was he was he trying to make uh, was he trying to make uh, uh, Caitlin jealous? by using uh, Mariah as a, a, a pawn, so to speak. I mean, we don't know what the intimate details of the relationship was, but uh, something drove this woman uh, into that, you know, into that place. Where no, that is shooting someone place. three times at close range, twice in the head and once in the chest. It's an execution. That, right. That is more than rage. That I mean, that is beyond rage. Like, and what did she, like when you, you know, you can't rationally look at something that's irrational. Uh, when you try to look at it rationally, say, what was she thinking? Well, obviously she wasn't because she took someone's life that was 25 years old, 26 years old, had everything to live for when maybe it would have been just easier to break up with your boyfriend. Because uh, now your life, his life, and the life of Mo Wilson is over because you were jealous of your boyfriend going out with someone else. Uh, but again, I'm putting a rational spin on something that is irrational. You know what? This would be a great question for Dr. Debbie Goodman that we've had on the show in the past. Uh, she would probably give us good insight into what uh, type of, uh, you know, mental state a person could be in to do such a, a horrific thing. And again, like you said, Billy, this wasn't like a, a rage where, you know, she fired a shot and then took off. And, you know, it kind of seems like it was planned. I, I just don't think that it was planned very well. And did she really believe? And I think that when people get blind with a murderous rage like this, they don't think about whether or not they're going to get caught. Yeah, they do certain things, but I think they don't think it through enough, uh, think it through enough to, to realize that, Hey, I'm not going to get away with this or else they wouldn't do it. You know, if you thought, if you thought about doing something and you you said, well, if I do this, I'm definitely going to get caught. I think that would preclude you from doing whatever it is that you were going to do. So again, when, when a person is in this mental state, they're so far, you know, off the, over the edge 
that they're not thinking about it. Sure, they're going to do certain things to cover their tracks, like, uh, you know, maybe avoid a camera or, you know, try to create an alibi, different things like that. But uh, in this case, uh, she made a million mistakes. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you want to subscribe to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell and share us with your friends and give us that like button. And if you want to contribute to us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels and a YouTube channel membership with five different levels. And you see our friends, our subscribers with the green font. They're part of our YouTube channel, and we really uh, appreciate everything they do for us. I want to play a little bit of this, folks. It's been a year and a half since Anna Mariah, or Mo Wilson, was killed in East Austin on May 11, 2022. On May 12th, the day after Wilson's death, Austin Police Department detectives interviewed Caitlin Armstrong but allowed her to leave. On May 14th, Armstrong boarded a flight from ABIA to Houston and then from Houston to New York. An arrest warrant is then issued for Armstrong on May 17th, and the next day she hops on a plane from Newark, New Jersey to Costa Rica. Here's Deputy U.S. Marshal Brandon Fila talking about the case not too long after that. Armstrong left the Austin area on May 14th took a flight to Houston Hobby Airport, then caught a connection flight uh, to LaGuardia Airport in New York. Uh, so we know now her direction of travel. On May 25th, 2022, APD gave a press conference saying they mistakenly released Armstrong from custody due to a clerical error. The U.S. Marshals then led a fugitive investigation to find her. On June 6th, Marshals upgraded the case to put more resources toward it. And on June 29th, the 43-day manhunt came to an end with Armstrong apprehended in Costa Rica. In early July, Armstrong is expedited back to the States, first to Houston, then Austin, where she's held on a $3.5 million bond. By the end of the month, she pleaded not guilty and requested a speedy trial. On August 17th, her attorneys filed a motion to suppress evidence claiming police illegally interrogated Armstrong on May 12th and failed to read her Miranda rights. During the first half of this timeline, APD and reporters frequented the neighborhood where Wilson was killed, but today, it's quiet. A majority of the 2023 headlines have been trial-related, but that changed October 11th when Armstrong allegedly escaped from deputies while leaving a medical facility. Thank you for watching. Please hit the subscribe. So that gives us a pretty damn good timeline, there, Phil, of what's, what's going on with this case. But when we really go over all the evidence, and although much of it may be circumstantial, uh, it's very powerful circumstantial evidence. When you heard her attorneys in court talking about, oh, did anyone see her do this? Like, no, no one did see her do this. But we're going to connect the dots. The ballistics matching to her firearm, they're pretty much, or they, they're matched. They're very similar, put it that way. <laughs> uh, her car is seen in front of the house a minute before before the shooting uh potentially her dna is on uh anna marie uh mo wilson's bicycle yep so she must have saw the bike and moved it uh moved it like 60 or 70 feet away so her dna what was her that puts her on the damn scene doesn't it Absolutely. I mean, it puts her in close proximity of the, the homicide scene. It puts her DNA on the bicycle. It happens to belong to the victim, uh, Mariah Wilson. So uh, again, you, you talked about uh, circumstantial evidence. There's going to be a lot of actual uh, evidence like DNA and stuff like that. So again, we always like to have that smoking gun evidence. If you have an eyewitness, if you have a videotape of the actual event, those things are great when you're going to prosecute someone for a murder case. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen that often. But there are so many other things in this specific case. You know, he mentioned there is no eyewitness. There's no video evidence of my client at the location. And there's hundreds of video cameras. Yeah, there might be video cameras. But were they pointing at the location? Were they pointing inside the location? The answer is going to be no to that. It's not like, uh, you know, there were video cameras and they saw someone else or a different vehicle, they saw her vehicle. So, uh, you know, listen, the defense attorney is going to do the best he could do for his client. That's always what's expected of 
a defense attorney. And, you know, he has to go with what, uh, you know, has to work with what he has in front of him. So again, he's going to try and attack uh, a credibility of witnesses. You know, if a, a, a DNA expert or a police crime scene detective goes on the stand, he's going to try and, uh, you know, bring their credibility down. So that way, if he creates a doubt about the person's credibility, then the evidence that they collected could be called into question. Again, we need uh, evidence beyond the reasonable doubt. Uh, 12 jurors have to come together and they have to come to a conclusion beyond the reasonable doubt. The defense attorney's job is to create that doubt. This is District Attorney Ricky Jones with his opening statement. Vermont. A few years ago, she got into a sport called gravel racing. And in about three short years, she became one of the best in the world at it. On May 11th, 2022, at 9.15 p.m. in Austin, Texas, the last thing Mo did on this earth was scream in terror. And you hear those screams. There's a surveillance camera with an audio portion to it. We'll play that for you. You'll hear those screams. Those screams are followed by ah, ah, two gunshots. One to the front of the head, one to the side of the head that hits the index finger as it passes. You won't hear any more screams out. Five seconds. We intend to prove to you, you put it the next year, that after that four or five seconds silence, Caden Armstrong stood over Mo Wilson, put a third shot right in Mo Wilson's heart. Wow. Wow. Two That's shot a pretty powerful opening statement, I would say, Bill. This, this is worse than a, like a mafia hit. Uh, two shots to the head, which one, of course, a defense wound took off part of her index finger because she's probably trying to put it up. Instinctually, when, you know, you'll, you'll put your hand up to try and protect yourself. I had a homicide like that too, where uh, a bullet went through the person's hand and hit them in the face. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it's a kind of like a defensive wound. So, but the, the point is that three shots, the two to the head weren't good enough. So, what level of rage did this person have, Caitlin Armstrong? And you know something we it's in when we talk about murder, the crime of murder, um, this probably was her only crime perhaps that she'd committed in her whole life, although she did have a warrant for something insignificant that they couldn't actually even prove was her because the date of birth was incorrect. But going from you know, she's a bicyclist. She sells real estate. She's 36 years old. Going from being a productive, good citizen to shooting someone three times, it's hard to explain, isn't it? That's quite a jump, Bill. I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, it doesn't appear that there was any indication that she had a violent past, you know? And like you said, a real estate agent, uh, an avid bicyclist, and, you know, uh, you, you, you have this uh, suspicion that your living boyfriend is having an affair with a previous uh, love interest. And instead of maybe confronting and trying to get to the bottom of it, or like you said earlier, just, uh, you know, leave the relationship. She decided to procure a gun, go to the location. And as that uh, prosecutor just stated, put three bullets into the victim, into the victim's body. Uh, again, making, uh, uh, you know, uh, sure that she was dead with that last shot. I mean, like you said, two shots to the head wasn't enough. The final shot right through the heart. Good morning. My name is Rick Jones. 
Along with my co-counsel, Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Stewart, Mr. Jimmy Sullivan, Mr. Rob Drummer, who is on at some point, we intend to present to you approximately 40 witnesses from this witness here to give you evidence over the next four to five days. We're going to start by giving information about three key players. You know, Phil, I think that, you know, obviously the strongest thing he said was the three shots and, you know, connecting it to her vehicle being spotted in front of the house, connecting it to her DNA being on the bicycle, connecting it to, he didn't even mention the ballistics yet, but connecting all these things. And then listing what we, when we named this show today, we named it the, uh, Here's the flyer up on the screen. Love Triangle Trial of Caitlin Armstrong. And, of course, the three players are uh, <coughs> Colin Strickland. You see the male in the middle there. Caitlin Armstrong and Mo Wilson. And somehow these three people, their lives became entangled. And, you know, usually people can get involved in each other's life for a very brief period of time and it doesn't end with one of them being shot twice in the head and once in the chest and losing their life at the age of 25 years old so the prosecutor in a very simplistic way in a good way is building the case that they're going to present to the jury over the next 45 days and very simplistic way these are the three players these are the antagonist, if you will, right? Colin Strickland, Caitlin Armstrong, and Mo Wilson. Their lives somehow became entangled. And this is who they are. And again, to you know, I've I've heard I've had district attorneys use that term with me. Sergeant, to humanize you in front of the jury, what is your educational level? Like they would say something like that. Right. In this way, he's sort of giving the human traits of all three of these people to the jury so they can understand all oh, how the hell did this happen you know billy they have to uh, the prosecution has to give a picture to the jury like you're saying uh he told a little bit about their lives their life together when they met what they did they were in business together uh how there was a breakup they had an on again off again relationship that's uh caitlin and uh colin and then during that one of those periods when uh, there was an off uh, period, uh, that's when he dated Mariah. Uh, perhaps it was completely platonic. We don't know. Or perhaps it was romantic. But there was that uh, one or two week period of time that they were uh, broken up. And, uh, you know, Mariah was uh, out on a date with Colin. So I think what they're doing is, like you said, they're humanizing. They're giving the picture. They're giving the outline of what this whole uh, three people's lives look like. Uh, and again, they have to come up with the motive. Uh, you know, the motive is here. Uh, we, we know that motive is not necessary to convict. However, I think 
the motive is definitely present here. We're talking about it's a jealousy, a love triangle. And uh, once we get through the mountain of evidence, I think it's going to be clear uh, who's responsible for this murder. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that uh, to, to simplify it and just show who these people are and this is what happened. You know, 25-year-old Mo Wilson in two years or three years became one of the top, they call it gravel racing. That's what it's called. They go on dirt like road. Like a dirt road or whatever, yeah. And, uh, she became one of the best in the country. What does that have to do with the case? Nothing. But it has to do with this is who she was. This is who she is as a human being. Caitlin Armstrong, she also was a gravel racer, not at the same level of, of, of Mo Wilson and of course Colin. That's the point of contention for uh, for uh, motive, Bill. That she wasn't as good. It as could be him. right. Maybe she yeah. was jealous that she wasn't as accomplished. Yeah. As Mo Wilson, that's. I mean, that's no reason to, in my mind. That's no reason to kill somebody. Of course. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a very good point. Let me play. And then I think Colin, Colin's level. What was his level? Maybe his level was also above us. He was. So he was one of the top in the country. Yeah. Also. So she may have felt isolated based on those two facts. Mariah Wilson. This morning, new details of the last moments of her life captured on audio. Those screams are followed by two gunshots. One to the side of the head. Prosecutors in opening statements portraying her accused killer, Caitlin Armstrong, as a woman consumed by jealousy. One of the things you'll hear is she was not happy with this relationship. Not happy, authorities say, after discovering she and Wilson were romantically involved with the same man, professional cyclist Colin Strickland. Prosecutors say Armstrong tracked Wilson's location using a fitness app. And wow, that's tremendous evidence, tremendous mm -hmm. evidence. And it's like when we talk about we go back to the Murdoch trial uh, and I believe it was I keep mistaking this. Was it the, a TikTok video or was a, a, some other? Might have been Instagram or, or Snapchat. I think it was a Snapchat. I, I think you're right. I think it was Snapchat. Snapchat. That electronic evidence was so powerful in the Very damning. So Now we have this new electronic evidence tracked a location use, using a fitness app. Again, there's another piece of, you know, and we don't like to use the term smoking gun. But that there's smoke coming out of that fitness app. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Billy. And they said that uh, uh, the victim in this case, Mariah Wilson, she didn't put the privacy settings on the app when she, uh, I guess, when she installed it or downloaded it. So I believe that Caitlin was able to track her locations using that fitness app. So uh, we talked about it earlier, how perhaps she was doing uh, like a recon on her own or some type of a surveillance and saw that they were together. And that may have sparked the whole uh, homicidal rage. Oh, so Lisa T, I, I think you're referring to um, the skater, the one, the one that broke the other girl or hit the girl with the baseball. Kerrigan, bat. Nancy Kerrigan and Nancy uh, Kerrigan. And uh, I forget the, uh, Oh boy. It's just escaping me. I guess my age is showing. Yeah. Uh, she was but a little kooky. Is that the, uh, Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. You remembered one of them, Phil. That's good. That's better than yeah. me. Anyway, yeah. so this this evidence, very powerful. And again, connected with other circumstantial evidence we have. It's amazing. Fact, Wilson's location using a fitness app and that surveillance footage puts her Jeep near the apartment where Wilson was staying. According to a police affidavit, investigators also received an anonymous tip after the shooting that Armstrong said months earlier she was so angry she wanted to kill Wilson. Armstrong, who has pleaded not guilty, now facing decades behind bars if convicted of first-degree murder. Her defense team arguing there is no proof she committed the crime. You did not hear about any direct evidence showing Caitlin Armstrong is responsible for this crime because there is a Armstrong's legal team also battling accusations. She fled the country after the murder and underwent plastic surgery to disguise her identity. Authorities say she used her sister's passport to travel to Costa Rica. A warrant was issued for her arrest, setting off a 43-day manhunt. While in Costa Rica, she searched her name 
from her cell phone. News article. Just weeks ago, this cell phone video appearing to show Armstrong trying to escape, running from corrections officers while at a doctor's appointment, later captured a mile away. So NBC News reached out to attorneys on both sides of this case for comment, but the court has imposed a gag order preventing them from talking. Also, no word from the family members involved in this case, guys. And, of course, the Armstrong attorneys are saying this is just circumstantial evidence. There's no direct evidence. A lot of murder cases are built entirely on circumstantial evidence, though. With a lot less evidence than in this case, not only do they have the surveillance footage of her car around the crime scene, circling around the house, but they also have DNA evidence that the jury heard about yesterday, the defendant's DNA on the victim's bike, which they said she used to flee the crime scene. They also have ballistics evidence. Her boyfriend, the guy involved here, brought, bought her a gun months before this case, and they have ballistics evidence matching the shell casings to the gun uh, that the boyfriend bought her. How about that video of her trying to escape yeah. from prison? I not mean, good. that video is not good. How's that going to impact Not the case? good. She's also facing a new felony charge because of the two officers who were harmed trying to chase her down. And she also has a federal charge for having fled to Costa Rica trying to mm -hmm. evade authorities. So she's got a lot of uphill battles here as this case goes on. Right. Okay. There's, I mean, they, they sort of uh, listed all the evidence as we did earlier on. It's... Uh, She's got a, a a high climb to uh, to beat this. I don't see her beating this case, Phil. What do you think? I, I don't see it either, Billy. And unless something earth-shattering happens at the trial, uh, a mishandling of evidence or some sort like that, that's the only way I see that there could be any type of uh, a doubt in this case. And I think then you still would come up with a hung jury and it could be retried. I don't see that happening in this case. I'm just giving the worst-case scenario. There's so much evidence in this case, and this young lady has to face uh, the escape charges as well as the fleeing charges. She's going to do some heavy time in jail. That's my opinion. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York City area? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced criminal defense attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. He's also on the NYPD boxing team while he was a member of the NYPD. So Joe Murray could perhaps deliver that knockout punch if he takes your case. You could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com or you can go on his website, jmurray-law.com or his telephone number is 646-838-1702. You see it right there on the screen. Joe Murray is a big supporter of police off the cuff real crime stories and we think he's a terrific criminal defense attorney. Absolutely. And Joe, I always thank you for um, your man, support of police off the cuff. You know, I, I'm going to show you quickly the, the video of her car in the front of this house, which was caught on, I believe, on, you know, uh, one of those doorbell cameras, which everyone seems to have these days. For Caitlin Armstrong, can there's her car continues, but there's a large development. They found the black Jeep Cherokee that was registered in her name. This is Ring video that we're taking a look at right now. Fox 7's Shannon Ryan has been following this since the beginning. Shannon, what else do we know? Yeah, well, Caitlin Armstrong is accused of killing professional cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson. We know from that Ring video that she's accused of using that black Jeep Cherokee to go to and from the homicide scene. Now U.S. Marshals are hoping that potential evidence found inside the car as well as the payment she received for that vehicle will help them close in on her. I think this goes to show them. U.S. Marshals have now located this black Jeep brand Cherokee, once registered to homicide suspect Caitlin Armstrong. The realtor and yoga instructor sold it to a South Austin CarMax dealership on May 13th. Yes, one day after she was questioned for the murder of professional cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson. And two days after authorities believe she used it to get to and from the homicide. She probably went into a panic uh, when she was interviewed by the Austin Police Department. She probably knew they had a lot of inf inf information on her uh, where she suddenly sold her asset. And she was able to get cash within 24 hours of $12,200. The following day, Armstrong took that cash to ABIA, boarding a flight to Houston Hobby, then LaGuardia. On May 18th, she was dropped off at Newark Airport, but it's still unclear if she ever even made it inside. 
No, we, we don't know. We don't know where she's going. More than a month has passed and Armstrong has managed to stay off the grid. But that $12,200 is a large amount for a fugitive to have at hand at her disposal. Marshals say all that cash makes it difficult to track Armstrong, but they hope this check will change things. Well, obviously, folks, that was before she got caught. We now know, of course, that she uh, fled uh, to Costa Rica. She flew from Austin to Houston, from Houston to Newark, from Newark to Costa Rica, and then lived in a hostel. And uh, I don't know if she was working as a yoga instructor over there, but... Uh, I she, think she was trying to, or she may have. Yeah, I, I do remember something about that, Bill. So it's uh, here we are now, uh, more than a year later, and she is on trial for the murder of the senseless, senseless murder of Anna Marie. Anna Maria Wilson, that's her full name. Uh, her nickname was Mo Wilson. And uh, it's, it, you know, we always like to list the, the victim. That's Mo Wilson. I mean, everything to live for, 25-year-old woman, beautiful woman, uh, great athlete, uh, had a degree in engineering, was from a great family, was a championship skier in high school, uh, had her whole life laid out for her, and this senseless, senseless killing, uh, it, it really totally makes no sense at all. Anyway, folks, that's our, our show for this evening. Uh, Phil, your final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think there's a mountain of evidence here against Caitlin Armstrong. We went over some of it. There's probably a lot more. Uh, only up to day two of the trial. I think uh, uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about it in the news. If you're interested in it, try and stay up on it. Perhaps if there's something that's earth shattering, maybe we'll do another show on it. And again, Bill, you, you brought up the picture of that love, lovely young lady uh, appeared to have everything to live for. She was a professional cyclist, uh, a champion skier, uh, you know, uh, really took life and uh, grabbed it, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, unfortunately, her life was cut short. So we're going to say uh, God bless her soul and God bless her family and friends. And let's hope that we do get justice for this beautiful young woman. Absolutely. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. On behalf of myself and Phil Grimaldi, have a great night and be safe. Stay safe, everyone. One episode.